we need to celebrate the fact that we're still here. We all, regardless of where we are in our story and our journey, mm-hmm. we are all incredible and you can have what you want. Know that that's possible when you're ready for it. We're all a family. We are not alone. We are all together. And if we spoke to the person next to us, we might just find that they are feeling just like yeah. us. Yeah. And we can all support each other in this family. Try this bad boy out for science. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged. Intention starts from a no judgment zone. A certain age is not criteria and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation. Hang on, sorry. It's all right, we're live, but it doesn't matter. Well, <laughs> uh, Monday morning technical issues, right? How good it's is that? It's the way it goes. And by the way, it's just good. It's just being human. We're, we're just having a conversation. That's what the decision table is all about is like, you know, I, I just think that if we can have conversations with different people, we're going to learn different things and maybe even do it differently. So today I'm hoping, you know, we just have a conversation. We're going to use the lens. This month is the lens on the decision table is around humanity as stakeholders at the decision table. So that's kind of an interesting concept. And I know that's probably quite dear to your heart in the work that you do and yeah like when I say humanity as stakeholders what does that bring up for you? Okay so I actually started this journey Carrie Marie Mm. simply because I was sick and tired of trying to save people's lives but it got to a point Mm. where they could no longer find a way forward you know, they'd tried every therapy, they'd tried antidepressants and they'd, they'd tried different psychiatrists and different psychologists and they tried so many things and they just found that they were at a point where they could no longer live through another trigger, right? Mm. And then I, I read an article and it followed right on from me having to call the federal police because I could not talk this person out of getting onto a plane and flying off to kill themselves. Yeah. I read about the 17-year-old girl that was given legal permission to mm. end her life because she could no longer live with the trauma of sexual assault. And, you know, I was so angry that mm. we as a society think that that's acceptable. And when I did searches, I could find nothing where people had actually been outraged about that, where mm. people had sort of thought, hang on, what are we doing if it gets this bad and someone yeah. who's only 17 yeah. is, is just not able to go to the next day? That is inhumane. Mm. That is unacceptable. So she'd been sexually assaulted twice and she was struggling with that. Mm. I've been what's technically referred to as sexually assaulted six times, starting at the age of five, then at the Mm. age of eight, 
16, 17, 21. The age of 23, I was sexually assaulted. And at the age of 32, I was raped again. So, you know, I actually know what it's like to be the victim, right? And, you know, I wore this little hat. I was the best victim that you will ever meet. I had it all, baby. You know, I had Mm. it all. (laughs) <laughs> that was so high. No one could claim over them. Yep, know that wall. Know that wall. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I had the, all the dysfunctions. I mm. was as self-righteous as you could ever get. I was so angry. And, of course, the only place you mm. can turn it is in here. Yeah. And out there, no one wants to know. I remember being about, oh, I must have been eight or nine when my grandmother told me that sexual assault is something that we just don't talk about. Yeah. That's it, right? And, you know, I was talking to him about someone that I had to watch every single time that he was within our family circle mm. assaulting someone, and I had to try and make sure it wasn't me. And yeah. she told me there are some things we just don't talk about. And you know what? That hasn't changed. That is still the way it is today, hmm. you know. And the only way we're actually really going to change the problem, and I've made a lifetime of studying this, I've, yeah. I've actually talked to people I've identified as rapists. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> you know, I know what it is you do and got some varied responses. <laughs> I know that's not funny, but that just made me laugh. I'm like, yes, I identify as a rapist. Okay, all right. Well, you know, it's got some of them like, you know, bleep, bleep. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, and some of them were a bit worried. Well, what does that Mm -hmm. actually mean to you? But some of them were actually, you know, they were impressed that I noticed how clever they were because Mm -hmm. they have a whole smorgasbord of get-out-of-jail-free cards Mm -hmm. and we all buy into it because it's easier than looking at the manky subject. Of course. Okay, so firstly, so firstly though, why yeah. is it that we are so we don't go there? Why do we not talk about this? Because we're trained not to, right from birth. Mm. You know? That's why I say that it is a societal issue and we have wow. to start looking at this as that it's our problem. Mm. Whether we've been raped or we're going to be raped or we're going to support someone who has been at some so point. Our, our problem to... as individuals or as a collective. Exactly. But we have to start by saying, yeah, you know what? It is a problem that if we want to change it, we have to we have to step up and change it. And there's a number of ways to do that. However, we have to begin to change the way we think. And that's mm-hmm. why I've stepped up and I've written my book yeah. Because Insight Up Close and Personal Profile of Sexual Assault mm. is a resource that gives people, individuals and communities, a profile of a sexual predator and it outlines and explains it in detail Yeah, about how they work, how they think, what do they think about us because <laughs> it's quite enlightening to know what they think about us, right? <laughs> I was sitting in George Street in Sydney many, mm. many, many years ago. This will entertain you. And I was sitting having a coffee. It was sort of like a, a cafe bar type place. It was mm. later in the day and these chaps sort of all accum- you know, accumulated together in this little booth. Yeah. 
And this is before the internet. And they were having a meeting, wow. a meeting of rapists. <laughs> and they there is such a thing. <laughs> to discuss, right? Mm. All the, th- the rapes that they'd done, the people they were planning yeah. to rape, yeah. the people around those people, how they were manipulating them, they were laughing. Mm. They thought it was a huge joke. They were comparing notes. They were giving each other advice. You know, we don't see them that way. No. We don't no. have any idea as a community that that's how they are. Yeah. We're so stuck in a fixed path that uh, it's just sex. Yeah. A policeman said to myself and another victim of one of my rapists, you know, on the mm. court of Parramatta Court, well, you know, it's just sex. Hmm. It's not just sex because it's yeah. not sex. Yeah. And so that's where we get a lot of confusion. And, you know, in my book, I actually talk about the difference. So the first time I ever had sex, it was a scientific experiment, right? <laughs> Because I knew all about what it was. It was about what it was, and so I thought to better understand this whole thing as a picture. Mm. You know, why did they actually rape? I was trying yeah. to make sense of that, and there was no clear answer. And so I thought, okay, what is sex? Everyone raves about it. Let's find out what it is. You know, and to be honest, it was actually an extremely you know good experiment because I did a lot of research to find the right person you know, and the whole process was really how it should be. It was textbook. Mm. It was correct. When we engage in, you know, sexual relations with someone else, it was exactly how it should be. And it was totally different. It's healthy. It's great. Yeah. And Mm. the thing about it is that's really important to to bear Mm. in mind is that both parties want Mm. to have a good time, but they also want the other person to have Have a a good good time. Mm. Right? Yeah. Rape is nothing like that. It's yeah. designed so that one person's having a really good time yeah. and one person dies. Yes. So because we don't understand that, it's really hard for a group of people who have known someone their whole life mm. or, you know, a long time to say to someone, oh, you know, so-so down the road said that you're a rapist. Mm. Well, that doesn't compute with their image of this person because we see rapists as people that, you know, come in the window at night when it's dark mm. and they're evil, but no. No. Well, well, actually they do as well, but they do. they're not they do. all necessarily like that, right? But the thing is that they're not dark and evil in their whole yeah. life. Mm. That's the thing. And, you know, what I call the garden variety predator mm. in my profile, they're more prevalent than that classic come yeah. in the window, right? Yes. Yeah. Much more prevalent. And they're really good at setting up scenarios. And so part yeah. of my book has actually got sections in it where I break down some sexual assaults and I explain oh. how the upbringing of those people and the thinking around their support teams was actually the undoing of them understanding what happened to them. And you know, there's so many fallacies. There's give so us, many. Give us an example of something like that. Okay, so I'll give you a recent example of a conversation I had mm. with someone. Mm. It was last year, right? And I was talking to a mum, and we were talking, and she was saying um, something about uh, me and how bad I was that I let my daughters catch Ubers. 
And right. I said, well, you know, I've, I've actually trained my daughters to catch buses, to catch trains, to catch Ubers mm. and at a time when they are actually able to do it safely and think clearly, mm. right, so that they get into a practice of actually knowing that they've got to ring me or text me and let the driver know that they're letting someone else know ground zero. And she was horrified. She said, I can't understand how you would be so careless with your children. Mm -hmm. And to me, I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, you're careless. Because Mm -hmm. if there was a panic, if something happened to you or Mm -hmm. dad and they had to get somewhere on their own, they don't have the skill set to do it safely. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And in my book, I talk about a situation with a young girl that she published a story in a newspaper and her dad had raised her with the understanding, you know, rapists are evil, bad people. Mm-hmm. And so you're looking for an evil, bad person. No, they're just everyday people. She ended up actually being pack raped by a group of men. She mm-hmm. was groomed by one man in a band. She mm-hmm. was convinced to lie to her parents about where she was. And then she went back to a house intending to have sex with her boyfriend. She ended up being pack raped. Now, she said in the article, you know, she wasn't raped, but she was because Mm. she seemed to think that she'd given some form of consent because she went to the house. But no, I could walk down the street naked. Now, I might be mentally unstable, but I'm not giving consent. And this is where we really have to be clear because consent is given. Okay, so let's just put on that one, though, because if you're walking down naked, many would say, well, you're encouraging it, so you must be giving consent. Yeah, well, I'm not, quite clearly. I'm not saying, hello, I'd like to have sex with someone, I'd like you to do it so that I actually die inside and there's nothing left of me. Okay, yeah, then I'm inviting it. It has to be something that you give. It's not based on your parents what you say you know you might be laughing and talking about sex that doesn't mean to say you want someone to come and rape Mm. you right but I I mentioned this because there's so many cases where you know those that have been raped won't come up won't voice it won't because they go well maybe I did you know cause it that it was my fault or when they do start saying it to someone they go oh that was your fault because you encouraged them or you you know put it upon yourself because of who you are yeah and you know what that is what rapists love oh they love us for that they celebrate that we're so stupid that we're so Mm -hmm. ignorant that we just don't get it we don't get them and we don't understand what it is you know, I've made a lifetime. <laughs> I've had lots of practice. So mm. I know exactly yeah. what it is. I've been raped by strangers and people yes. I know. And the last person was someone I saw him married. I saw mm. him have children. His yeah. wife was a very dear friend. You know, and I woke up one night and he was forcing himself inside me. Mm. His son was asleep in that same bedroom in the bed next to me. Mm. You know, and when I actually uh, spoke up about it, he said, you know, I just don't know why you're making such a fuss. I've raped more mm. women than I can count on my fingers and toes. Mm. And, you know, you're the only one to complain. And <laughs> So how do you have that conversation, though? 
<laughs> we're, we're now having conversations like that, right? How do you have that yeah. conversation? <laughs> what do you do with that? Like, like as a exactly. um, exactly. You know, but that's, we, we have to have these. No, I know that. But these, yeah. we have to have these conversations, right? Like, yes, otherwise, victims. Be, there are more and more victims because victims will not speak up because it is damn hard when you have to confront something when they say things like that. Look, it is. It really is. So, and how I, do we have that conversation? Like, well, or well, how do we? Really, if it's you know, the other thing is you. There are married people who you go into a relationship and find out that your partner is actually someone who rapes and they rape you it because there are times when they do things to you that you don't want at all. But because you're married to them, that cannot be a rape. Well, it, it is and it can because it has to be consensual. And the, I know, and the, but if the, it's given into a situation or you tell people about it, they say, but you're married to them. That's because they haven't actually been educated. They don't actually know what rape is because their parents didn't educate them. So, but it's not even friends. It can be the official people. And oh, yeah. they go, oh. they go, well, you're married to that person. How can that be a rape? Yeah. And you know what? Legally it is Yeah. because, yeah. and they know it, but you know what? I guess they're just people like everybody else and they have their own fixed ideas and thinking around sexual assault and what it is. The only time I've ever had a good experience with police, and I've had a lot to do with them, when I was eight, they came to my house. I said I wanted to press charges against that person and go to court, Mm -hmm. and they decided that because he'd already been in jail Mm -hmm. and that if he was convicted, which he would be, of of what he did to me, Mm -hmm. he would go to jail for at least eight to ten years and that was just far too long given what he'd already done for him to be incarcerated it would just not be fair and so because my age I'd forget anyway right now back to the 2000s I was talking Mm. with a young girl and her mother's boyfriend Mm. brother was raping her every weekend from about the age of 10 Mm. Right now, she's still at high school at the moment, so it's not that that long ago. Yeah. So, mum and the daughter presented at the police station, and the police released her back into mum's care because yeah. mum said she wouldn't take her back to the house. She was taken back to the house that very weekend. Yeah. She raped again and again and again. Now, the police never investigated. They never interviewed him, and what they did really, was not only did they allow her to continue to be raped, but everyone else who was raping at the time, they never saved them, and everyone who's gone on to rape, they never saved them. They thought, oh, mum will take care of her. No, no. They have a job to do, and their job, right, is to investigate, collect evidence, make a recommendation to the DPP. The DPP decide the charge and the police charge. It doesn't happen. I rang up after an insurance doctor sexually assaulted my body and was about to force his penis into my mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said to me, oh, that's an insurance matter. Mm. Right? <laughs> and I can tell you so many more stories. So... The only time I've ever had a good experience with police 
was in the last sexual assault, the last mm-hmm. rape in 1996, where I actually was able to speak with IRAC officers in New South Wales. Mm-hmm. Here in Britain, we don't have IRAC officers. And, you know, I really think it is a specialised area and I think that specialised people I should agree. Be because mm-hmm. I've spoken with many people that I've worked with as, as a coach who've said to me, I have never told anybody what I told you, mm. right, because of the fear that they have around judgment, the judgment they've made to themselves and the judgment that other people make to them. So yeah. the very people that can drive change are the people that we squash and the people that we judge, you know, and that's not fair because they're already judging themselves. It is really, really hard some mornings to get up and, yeah. and take the next breath, right? And they don't need any other any other difficulties. To get yeah. these people to press charges and to go through court, knowing that they probably won't get a guilty verdict, yeah. it's really hard. Now, I went into that process of court and, you know, I was lucky for two reasons. One, I already had had a mindset change that made it possible for me to actually get through the system and, and set a legal precedent mm-hmm. on the suffering that sexual assault victims experience because apparently I suffer too much, right? So you can mm-hmm. not okay to suffer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, but that's actually really, really, really common from anyone that's been yeah. assaulted. Mm. Yeah, yeah, right. So so I was able to do that and I was able to use the court process mm. as a stepping stone. But so many people, they, they get a... Meaning a, a, as a stepping stone to what? Stopping that cycle or what? A stepping stone for me to become empowered and to take control back for my life, right, a process. But see, for me, that is part of this cycle. When you actually can admit, like, in a public arena that this is not going to continue to happen. And I know that's crazy, but I have a real theory around that. I was one of those kids. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've been through this. I've seen it all. I've been involved in it all. And I have to tell you, the day that it stopped that cycle in my world was a day when I finally took my last abuser to a to court and I enough was enough. So I know that whole system of going through it, it was the hardest thing ever and yet yeah. it was the best thing ever because for the first time in my life, I said enough is, is enough. enough. Yeah, it's not and okay. And I can't control anyone else. But no, I can you can't. control who I am and what I'm about. And yes. Enough was enough, yes. and this is never ever going to happen again. And I yes. started that journey. But I have to say, the breaking of the cycle, and I had to. And I also yes. think that there is something about the fact that if you have been abused, and I look at patterns and I've I've been obsessed yes, with it, and yes. one of the reasons I've been obsessed with it is because I saw this pattern in my world. Yep, and it began been. as a little baby and it continued yep. until I was, a, you know, really a, quite a lot older. So I was in my probably it's, the last one was in my, say, mid-20s. And it wasn't until then that I stopped that cycle. Yeah. And and that was such a I mean it was 
I never, I had to then, by the way, meaning stop the cycle, it never happened to me again. And there were many opportunities that it could have happened, but it didn't. And it was stopped before. And then it's like, I never attracted that anywhere near me. Yeah. And that's the key. Now, I'll share with you a story. In 2010, we were living in the Philippines Mm. and I was at a Halloween party. Yeah. And, you know, it was a very lavish affair. There was a band and a bar and everything. And I went to the went to the toilet and it was in a study, so it was in a room, off a room, right? Mm. And I'm st- I barely sat down on the toilet when the door's rattling and, you know, and everything. And, and this chap, you know, forced his way in and he was there to rape me. Mm. Yeah. Now, I actually, because of the work that I've done, Mm-hmm. I was able to sort of stand up and think, okay, very calmly think, what's the best yeah. outcome for me in this situation going to be? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't have a lot of choices, but I did have some choices. Yeah. And then I said to him, okay, I accept that you're here to rape me. Yep, mm-hmm. got that, right? Mm-hmm. But I just want you to know that there will be blood and there'll be evidence that I didn't want this. Yeah. And so if you're going to do it, you know, let's have at it because... Mm-hmm. Been, you know, I'd gone in there to go to the toilet and I hadn't got the opportunity. <laughs> so yeah. you know, I'm standing there and my knickers are around my ankles in this little rectangular box and going nowhere. But I still had the ability to do something, right? Now, he couldn't rape me. Mm. The reason he couldn't rape me is because I didn't act like a victim. Yeah. It's like you were saying before. You were thinking differently about things. You had a different mm-hmm. behaviour. And so... Yeah. You were actually someone that would be a threat to their ongoing ability to rape. So, so massive. <laughs> and, and the other thing is that you may mm. have recognised something in them that just steered you in a different direction. Totally. So, may- so my husband always says to me, he goes, "You've got amazing spidey senses." <laughs> yeah. Well, no wonder, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, because I learned. You know, and I looked at behaviors and realized that it's, I mean, that's why I'm so fascinated with it because, you know, there are particular things that I can see straight off and, and I go, you know, I remember this guy, he was working with this community group that I was massively involved in and he was to drive the bus. And I said, from the moment I met him, I said, you need not to put him on the bus and be our driver with our young people. I said, "There's, you are not to do that. But because there was nothing to prove it, there was nothing to, to back it up, you know, he came in, he became a driver and, of course, assaulted many girls. And, yes. and then yes. when someone finally stood up about it and we could get rid of him but you know that has happened time and time and time again because I don't always have you know data to back that up but I can tell you the moment I can sense them on my life yeah yeah you've studied it like I did I have you'd love the book because it's Mm. all about their modus operandi how they set their traps how they Mm. prepare everybody and then how they act, you know. Now, some of them, they just love to to do things like, you know, grab someone off a public street mm-hmm. and rape them behind a wall yep. when there's people walking past. That's their thing. Mm-hmm. Others, they like to, you know, do it while someone's in their sleep. Mm-hmm. So the last sec- the last chap that raped me, mm-hmm. he he actually regularly raped his wife. She woke up to find him having sex with her. He actually dragged one poor girl off a toilet 
and smashed her head up down on the floor until she passed out so that he mm-hmm. could actually have sex with her while she was unconscious. That was his modus operandi, and they all have it. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because when I started to really look at it and study it and listen to what other girls were saying and compare it to other people and what they were saying, you know, pictures fell into place, patterns fell into place, and I began to see how these all these threads all tied together. And, I, you know, I decided to put it in a book so that I could write it as a way that people could read it simply and effectively and they could Mm. use knowledge to begin to actually identify situations themselves and also to know what to do if something happens. So up on my website, that's michelleinsight.com.au, I've actually got three plans. And one thing that I always say is, you know, you need to have a plan because the minute that somebody threatens you, and it doesn't matter in what context, it might even be just to steal your bag, mm. shock will fit in. Depending on the threat, the more shock. Shock, mm. it shuts down logical thinking, and then you can go into freeze, fight, or flight. Mm-hmm. And you're no longer thinking consciously and logically. You can no longer analyze and make decisions because the body is all about preserving life. Yeah. And you see, that's where all the blame comes in. Why didn't I? Why didn't you? You know, well, you weren't raped because you didn't fight back. Well, Mm. you weren't raped because you did this or did that. No, you know. But it felt like it at the time, right? And yeah. and I've I've heard many say that, myself yeah. included in that. Like, did yeah. I did I encourage that? Was that something if I hadn't have done this bit, would have that ever happened? And if you understand that they actually have a plan, they've yeah. planned that they're going to rape you way before yeah. before they do it, and you can't mind read. So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what it is that you would do in a situation, it's still going to be their outcome the way they want yeah. it to be, right? Because they need it to unfold in a certain way to get what they want and so they're going to do it. Mm. So, so here's another here's another crazy pattern that I used to see a lot. When I used to work with a lot of young people and, of course, a lot of them were either prostitutes or street kids or, you know, really low social economic back environments. And so there were a lot of issues that came from that because they didn't have access. They, you know, they often were in very broken families. And so this was kind of a common occurrence in the work that I did for a long time. And, you know, but it was interesting because you would, you would get these situations where, you know, the victim, uh, or I always say the, the person that has experienced this has, you know, gone through it, coming out the other side and then going, how do I become a whole person again? How do I sort of, you know, function knowing that that was a reality of mine for, you know, and often it's something, even if it's happened only once, it's something that replays in the brain for many, many years, you know, if you don't, if you allow it to. And, you know, how do you start rebuilding after that? Like, do you have some, have you seen some patterns to how you do that well or... So, Are there common I, things that happen? And 
Yeah, so I actually looked for answers, those answers, a lot of answers. And I was lucky enough to meet someone on a similar path. And together, all the research that we'd done, everything we'd found, we put it together. Yeah. And we began to work on ourselves. And there's one thing that was really helpful was, you know, there is, is a, just imagine a triangle. So mm-hmm. you've got, look at things that you don't like that are happening to you. And then look at where you do it to you. Yeah. Look at where you do it to others. And look at where you allow others to do it to you. Mm-hmm. And you will find a behavior pattern or a cycle yeah. that you've set up. And it's in your unconscious mind. It's stored there. Right. So then what we would do mm-hmm. is that we would go into that unconscious mind, into that part of the filing cabinet, mm-hmm. and we would take it out. So it's like you're gardening. You're ripping out at the root a weed, mm-hmm. a way of thinking that isn't serving you. Right. And then yeah. you're planting something that you want. Mm-hmm. You put that in your unconscious. And we worked on conscious affirmations and we also did some recordings and Mm. so there because I at the time I was struggling with a work-related injury you know Mm -hmm. and I I couldn't work or or feed myself in a traditional way and so I started working out of a little crystal shop in Chatswood Mm. I was actually uh, doing what they call what I called foot readings so we store everything in our neurology and our body Mm -hmm. has a memory right and And as we're trying to break through Mm. and change our life, the unconscious unconscious mind will bring things up. Yeah. And so there'll be things that will really be getting, you know, they'll really bother us in the Mm. right now so that we can see them. A lot of people don't want to see, right? They don't want to see it. Or they see it, but they don't know what to do with it. And so they bury it. Mm. But I can always find it where it's stored in the body. And so that's what I did. And I would help people to find those things and to change their decisions that are connected to the beliefs, that have emotions and values attached to them that drive our behavior. And we don't even know we're doing it. Mm -hmm. But we're putting up big signals. You know, I used to say to people, God, have I got this sign up above my head that says, come and rape me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yes, well, I did. I did. I didn't know I did. I used Mm. to say it as a joke. But I actually did because of Mm. the behavior, you know, my body language, everything. I was clearly a fragile, vulnerable person, the sort of person I hunt. And so, yeah, unfortunately, I did have a big sign that said, you know, exactly. Here I am. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. But once I actually was able to change how I did everything, rewire my thinking, if you like. Now, I could think, I don't like this. Mm -hmm. I could change it, go to sleep, wake up, and my life would be different. And it it was literally like finding a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Mm -hmm. It was the most empowering and exciting time of my life, other than having my children, right? It Mm -hmm. was extraordinary. And for someone that had never known a life without trauma because I was about five when when I was first assaulted, Mm. it was extraordinary. It was the most wow thing I'd ever, ever experienced. And it was exciting, you know. It was like, okay, so what else am I doing that I want to change, you know? What Mm. else can I do? And so I ended up with a whole suitcase (laughs) full of 
things that I changed to yeah. make life better. People say, yeah. oh, what's this quantum physics? Oh, what's this power of the mind? You know, or they say, oh, you know, if you wanted. Mm. Well, I challenge anyone mm. who's living constantly with flashbacks and anxiety, you know, triggers, bam, yeah. come yeah. out of nowhere, right, put you right back in that assault mm-hmm. and in detail in that assault, you yeah. know, challenge anybody to be able to actually stop all of that with just sheer willpower. Mm. It's I tried for years. It, it's an interesting thing because I think people don't realise what you suffer from when you've gone through things like this. Like I really truly believe there's a PTSD in it, involved in it as well, and it's never, ever recognised as part of it as well. And I think that there's there's a lot of things that are consequences and ongoing things if you're not careful and you leave it happening in your world and you don't start rewiring to different patterns that are not necessarily recognized by the outside world because, again, it's something that is an internal thing that many don't, I mean, no one's standing there watching, you know, probably either and seeing it all happening so that they don't experience it and see it as a truth for you and what you're going through. But those things, you know, whether it's from distrust in authority, I had a lot of people in my life who were in authority that, you know, use that authority in the wrong way. And Mm -hmm. so when you go on through life, there's many situations where I've been in situations where authority have tried to walk all over me. And, you know, use that as a power thing. And I've allowed it because at that time I didn't know how to, how to not do that. And I saw if I did things like that, there were huge consequences to it. And so there's these ongoing patterns that are just way beyond even the incident at the time, the experience that it was that happened. And then of course, the grieving, the grieving of someone taking something from you that was not Mm. yours to take from us. And, you know, how do you deal with that? And, And what does that look like? I mean, that brings up a whole lot of things. And, you know, you talked earlier on in the conversation around the wall, the wall comes up. Because the wall comes up because we're trying to protect ourselves. We're trying to keep ourselves safe from the outside world. But actually what we're creating is there's so much mess in here that we're getting lost in that mess and chaos that that wall is only actually making it worse for us. So how, how have you, and I think that this is really important because, you know, I think we've talked about something that is very raw And for many, they're not at the point that you or I are at where we can talk about this in an open forum, which is very important, by the way, extremely important. I agree. And and, and they're still very much in that hurting space. Yeah. You know, what what, what would you say with that? Okay, I I would like to say that, that I would like to see a time where we can have a chat over a cup of coffee, and this is anyone, mm. and yeah. talk about sexual assault mm. and it being something that we do conversationally. Yeah. Because that way, it, that's a learning opportunity for the whole community, right? Yeah. Creating awareness. Yeah. But that's an aim. 
That's a yeah. change in in sexual assault culture, which is I know. what I want to try and achieve. I think it's really important. And, you know, the thing is that, as I point out in my book, men rape women, men rape men, women rape children, yeah. women rape men, and men rape men. <laughs> and, you know, there's all these things, and we have all these ideas in our head, right, and we think it's not going to happen to us. And so we just we block it out, right? It's yep. not happening out there because we're not going to be raped. We don't see that we're going to be until we are. And then we have to deal with the fact that suddenly we're dead. The person we're looking at in the mirror no longer is is recognisable because they're not there anymore. Yeah. And all we've got are these scraps that we've got to scrape up off the pavement and try and put ourselves back together. And yeah. we're not in a resourceful state. We don't have the skill set to do it. And usually all the anger and rage goes internally. So, so one, of the, one of the important things to do mm. is first we have to just quietly accept, okay, I accept that it's happened. Yeah. Because we can try so hard sometimes to block it out and bury it and it didn't happen. It was my fault. Did you, so ever, convince, did you ever convince yourself that it never happened? Now, I, it must have made that up. No, yeah. I knew. But other wow. people really hard and my parents told me for a long time that stuff didn't happen yeah and I remember bailing my myself I told myself I never told anyone about anything until I after I turned 21 and I told my first ever soul yeah you know I was the unusual person you are (laughs) <laughs> Most people, yeah, no, it's, that is not normal yeah no it's not normal but you know it's interesting because I just knew it wasn't right mm-hmm. I knew it was wrong and I knew it wasn't my fault but I did feel you know dirty and horrible and disgusting revolting mm-hmm. inside but I knew it wasn't my fault but I felt everything else that everyone felt you know have you always been a confident person oh no 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 because I just wondered if that was, I wondered if that was one reason to why you were able to do that because I was always actually a really shy introverted and, you know, found it really hard to speak up. Yeah, well, I was Which is very, very funny because I do it a lot of my life now. So it's it's crazy. So I don't know what I was going to be, what sort of person I would have been. Mm. I never got that chance to find out, right? So, because because at the age of five, from that point on, I was I was a victim, and I had all those things yeah. that were, you know, that are wrapped up in, in being a victim. And I was five. I wasn't equipped with the skills to be able to understand what happened, and no yeah. one around me talked about it. So I had to try and figure it out. And then it happened again, and and then and I had to watch it happening to to my family by yeah. the person that did it to me, you know, and it's like the adults are there and they don't even see it. Mm-hmm. How, how do they not see it? Like, you know, there were so many things that I had that I was running on anger yeah. and on basically self-judgment, which was what's wrong with them? You know, I judged everything because I could not make sense of how someone wouldn't see it. Yeah. And, you know, I had so many inappropriate physical responses for my age you know mm-hmm. like a childhood orgasm that I should never have had 
Mm. Right? It was an experience that happened. I didn't know what it was at the time. Mm. And Mm. it was bizarre and I didn't even understand it because, you know, no one was talking about it. No one was helping me. There was no counselling. There was nothing to explain Mm. it. I had to try and piece it all together by observing. You know, I never felt truly happy like living in the moment of happiness I don't have any memory of that and Mm. except for my horse I had a pony and and my pets right I could I can identify with having with feeling love Mm. but for them but I could never really feel truly happy and any happiness that I might experience was super short-lived I experienced all these things through observing other people living it mm. I had it myself you know what's, what's crazy when you say that what it brings up in my brain is this that I think in in a lot of ways the reason I'm who I am today in in being so grateful for my life today and every yeah. moment of it is because as a young child, I don't have those memories at all. As a young girl yeah. growing up, I don't have those memories at all. Yeah. But I have so many amazing memories in my world right now and have done for many years now. And, you know, I'm really, I'm so grateful for my husband and, you know, our partnership because, you know, I I don't believe I would be, I, and that's not that, by the way, that it's a bed of roses every two days, you know, like every day no, of my life. No. It's just like, oh, I wake up. He thinks I wake up just dribbling going, oh, I'm dribbling because I'm lying beside him. But, you know, <laughs> and he jokes about that. But, but I have yeah. to say that through all the bad, the ugly, the the yuck of even having to to build our relationship, he has been such a pillar in being and helping me to become who I am and so grateful and, you know, in a very loving relationship and a very, you know, like healthy with sexual side of it relationship, which, and if you study anyone that has been insulted or raped or anything, those things are not always the norm. They are not something that necessarily. So I'm really, really grateful for my life. I'm grateful for the fact that I have a beautiful family and out of what it could have been such a mess in a very, very different turnout that my world has and is amazing. But I have to say that I think you know, I often will post little things and and for me, I just feel so so much gratefulness for it. And I wonder if a lot of that reason is because I didn't have that so much in my life, whereas others have always had that or always that's kind of like, you know, just the fact that I can go for a walk and I feel really safe and I I can smell the air I can look everywhere and and I'm not looking like with my head down and I'm like this or running to get somewhere because I'm scared or whatever it is but just feeling you know maybe it's because because I know what it was like not to be like that that today I'm even more grateful than many people and I always say that in my posts I'm so grateful today and sometimes I think People must think it's a bit of a cliche thing that I'm saying, but it it's mm. because I truly, mm. 
I am so grateful today I get to breathe. I'm so grateful today that I get to, you know, I start my day with gratefulness. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, you know, where it was not always my focus, where it was not always a positive focus, today it is very much an amazing focus of mine. Yeah. What about you? What is what has been that thing that is is sort of flipped the other side? Because we've got to we've got to finish up in a minute or two. But what has been the flip side of it for you that now, you know? Because I always think that from victim to victor, right? Like, so what is it that yeah for you? What's that look like? Okay, so you know, I call myself an empowered survivor. Yeah, which is different to being a survivor. Mm-hmm. I think that. I'm like you. Mm. I appreciate absolutely every single waking moment. I used yeah. to wake up dreading, dreading yeah. the day. I used to, I used yeah, to yeah, wake right. up wondering <laughs> if I could get through the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Living with bulimia, anorexia, oh, yeah. and you know all of that stuff, and so alone and so miserable. And then, you know, wondering, you know, oh, will it be today that you know? Will everything end? And sometimes wanting it to be today. And now I wake up, you know, and I'm like, oh yay! I've got. Look at what I've created. And there was a time when I never could have done that. And Mm. when I actually gave birth to my first daughter, Mm. doctor handed it to me, and I looked at her, and I knew that I could not protect her from sexual predators, but I was grateful. Mm. in a way that it's hard to explain but I was incredibly grateful for the knowledge that I had and the work that I'd done to be where I was at because I could teach her yeah. and what I taught her has kept her safe where other people in her group yeah and has they haven't had that and mm. they haven't been safe mm. you know so I'm grateful every day and I think that what it was I agree Kerry that you know once I got the light turned on, you know, I was like, wow, I can actually change how I think. I have mm. different life and this is fantastic. Now I'm actually living a life that's worth yeah. living, you know, exactly. and, and I can actually use it to do something great. Yeah. yeah. So, And I think my team and my friends go, slow down, slow down, but I'm just so excited about my world and I love yeah. being able to live life and do life and use. I'm loving using my brain. I love using yeah. my physical side of me. I love learning more things because I've got capacity now. There was many, many it. years. Oh. Yeah. many years that I didn't and I listened to people who who told me I couldn't anyway and, yeah. and so I don't know I feel like sometimes and it's funny and it's not until we've had this conversation and I think this is what I'm taking from our conversation today is you know I realized I'm kind of making up for lost time in my life and I'm making the most of every day and I and that's not a bad thing by the way no, no. I'm loving it but you know, I, life, I think there's something in that from life, the fact that, yeah. Yeah, no, Sorry. well, there is, there's life after rape. There's life, yeah. life after sexual assault if you totally. want it. Absolutely. If you want to find the person that's yeah. that's going to help help you to get it, right? Yeah. yeah. I, totally. say to me, oh, I'm on antidepressants. I've got PTSD, mm. sexual assault. And how's that working out for you? Oh, well, it's not. Mm. 
but I'm on antidepressants. <laughs> so here's the thing. If someone wants to know more and how to work with you to figure this out, how do the, what's the best way to connect with you? Okay, so two things. Firstly, on Wednesday, I'm launching my book, Insight, Up Close and Personal Profile of Sexual Assault on Amazon. Mm. And it would be great if people could get on. It will be really deep on, on the Wednesday, on Wednesday the yeah. 10th. Right, it's a one-time offer. Mm. I'll send you the link. Mm, you can cool. share it. That would be great. Mm. So I'd really love to make mm. sexual assault a number one bestseller, right? Mm. <laughs> I think mm. it would be great if it could actually we could achieve that. Yeah. And you know, if people want to work with me, they can go to michelleinsight.com.au. They can email me at info at michelleinsight.com.au. And very shortly, I will have angelinsightcoaching.com up and live with a mm. calendar book. Mm. But sometimes people might just want to ask some questions. Yeah, exactly. If they want to email me a question, I'm happy to do that, you know. Mm. And I'll be, I'll be starting a, a group of a series with uh, Tony Lontis that'll be on TV and podcasts and things. And we'll actually be stepping through a whole range of the things that we've kind of talked about here today, you know, and sort of breaking it down and having more detail with it. That'll yeah. be out in a month or two for yeah. people to be able to watch as well. Yeah. So, you know, if people want some answers, my mm. book has lots of them. It talks about the steps towards moving away from being a victim and yeah. just surviving right it gives some ideas there and it does identify how people can actually identify mm. sexual predators themselves and give them some context that's mm. actually realistic context yeah so you know it'd be great if people could get behind it I'm donating anything I get from Amazon from those sales to put towards funding coaching for people who are struggling mm. to pay for it yeah mm. Yeah, and to get me out there and get me talking. So I'd really love the support from people to be able, you know, to use this as a stepping stone to changing sexual assault culture, to changing yeah. the future for our children. Yeah. That they don't have to experience it the way we've experienced it, if, yeah. if they have to experience it, or at least, you know, have some idea about what to look out for and yeah. how to could maybe prevent it from happening yeah yeah, yeah. so important okay so one of the things I do here is I do ask a question at the end of every decision table and this question yeah. is so one of the things that we've done we've talked about something that I knew would go very deep and for many this could be really tough for them to listen to this conversation but I think it's so important like yourself that there's an awareness that can you know is created around sexual culture and I think you know like we have to start having open forum conversations like this and for many this is uncomfortable you know I never like I said I never talked about anything until I was 21 and I had hit a crossroad and I thought if I don't start talking about this it's going to eat me up and I'm not going to live beyond 21 and yeah. There was a lot of truth in that. I don't say that lightly. And, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. here's the thing, though. Like, I just think 
you know, I took a long time because I didn't have the support around me. I took a long time because there wasn't an awareness around it. There wasn't a thing to talk about. I talked about it. I didn't talk about it because I wanted to be loved in the environments I was in because society does not encourage or like it if you've been sexually assaulted. It's almost like you've had this disease or you've got a disease and they don't want you to come near me because it might be catchy. Here's the thing, it ain't catchy. It's not something that I just give you. And it wasn't something that I chose for to happen in my And And so we have to give voice. And part of my whole you know, love and and life and about is giving voice for humanity. And that for me is bringing humanity back as stakeholders at the decision table. And that means this conversation has to be a conversation we have at the decision table because it makes up the person. It helps, you know, like if this is going on behind the scenes, how is that, you know, creating the person who you are when you come to work? when you're having relationships Mm. with other people. Maybe you're cranky with someone because actually inside is a very hurting person. And and Mm. I think that when we understand the person as a whole, we understand how to communicate better. We understand how to be communicated better too others doing it to us and then in the same way that we can all heal and start being able to be who we're meant to be at the table as well yeah and so I'm very grateful for this conversation as much as it you know an uncomfortable conversation because it really truly is it's not something I talk about every two minutes of my day to be honest and in fact a lot of people in my world have no idea about this conversation or Mm -hmm. that it's even been a part of my conversations in the past So the question that I ask at the end of every conversation is this, what is it that you're taking from our conversation today? Well, I'm I'm hopeful that we have perhaps begun a dialogue to give people hope Mm. and not false hope. Yeah. Like here we are, two women sitting here talking Mm. about something that a lot of people can't even look in the mirror and acknowledge to themselves, right? Yeah. So there is life after if yes. you want it, right? It's real. It's not something that's made up. It's tangible and it's real and we're living it, right? Mm. Because I really believe that if people know how to change yeah. their life, that perhaps, you know, that they're going to be able to step up and do that. It needs to be safe. I agree. The other thing mm. that I'd like perhaps us and everybody else to take out of this mm. is that I think we need to celebrate yeah the fact that we're still here yes right come on let's face it you know mm. we all regardless of where we are in our story and our journey mm. we are all incredible because yeah. we have lived through what is described as a most horrific experience yeah. you know and we're still here yeah. And, you know, we every day. And we're not just and, here. We're actually thriving and living are. life and helping others through our lives. True. But those people who aren't perhaps where we're at, mm. they, you know, take the time to appreciate yeah. 
that you are still here, that you're still giving yourself a go, that there is self-love. Yeah, so good. That you're giving to yourself and putting out mm. to other people, you know, and that here we are, Carrie mm. Marie and I, you yeah. know, you can step up too. Yeah. You know, you can have what you want. Know that that's possible when you're ready for it. Mm. And, you know, we're all a family, mm. all of us. We're all a family regardless of where we are on the journey. Yeah. We are not alone. We are all together. And if mm. we spoke to the person next to us, we might just find that they are feeling just like yeah. us. Yeah. And we can all support each other in this family that mm. is survivors of sexual assault. You know, one yeah. of the things, and I love what you just said there, and I really appreciate you, Michelle, coming to the decision table. I One of the things that has come out of a lot of this is the fact that I always see that what is kept in the darkness can fester, can, yes. can get worse, yes. gives almost, you know, credibility for the people like you talked about with rapists, you know, meeting together. Because it's in the dark, they can kind of celebrate it themselves because they're yep. not keeping it in the dark, but others yep. are. And what is interesting is, and I've found this so to be true in my own life and the many others that I've had conversations around this, is that what we bring to the light means that the dark has no no power there. And, and I truly, truly believe that this conversation today is bringing it more to the light and for us to be able to to have an open conversation. And I believe that for us to shift this from problem to solution, that yes. more of these kind of conversations need to I be brought in the light because, you know, if it was brought out and everyone was speaking about it, it wouldn't be happening behind the scenes like it has happened yeah. and continues to happen. So I think, I think that if we were a more empowered community that we better yeah. understood what the signs were, yeah, we might be able yeah. to prevent it, but we yes. might also know what steps to take straight away yeah. to start putting ourselves back together. Yeah, and we might get the right sort of support from people to yeah. be able to do that. And you know that's important. So yeah. I think that we can certainly reduce we can reduce the amount of sexual assault that happens, yeah. and I think that we can help those who experience it. To yeah. get onto an empowered pathway a lot yeah. sooner, right? Love that. Yeah, Absolutely. I really I think it comes down to education. Yeah, and it comes down to support. I agree. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Totally agree. And I'm going to end this broadcast on Absolutely. that because I think education support totally. I agree yes. with that. A hundred percent. All right. Well, big hugs to all, and thank you. Yes, for thank in you, today. Michelle. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> take care amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode make sure you subscribe ensure you leave an awesome rating and review our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness activates ownership to what is next a curiosity for the need to be part of the change and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards if you want to further your journey with us then apply to join us at our next leaders movement parlay the link is in the show notes we appreciate you Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.